Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is another mask. (laughs) (laughs) You can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Yes, hello. Welcome along to the Huddle Breakdown, the Christmas special. James has his Christmas jumper on. I have my Guinness in my hand and Alan has his fancy headphones on. So <laughs> that's how you know it is Christmas time. It's December 23rd. We're getting closer and closer to that big day. And of course, the fixture list is absolutely insane for Celtic. We're going to be looking back at the League Cup, the w- first win, uh, first trophy for Ange Postacoglu as Celtic manager, a triumphant moment followed by a nil-nil draw against St. Murren on Wednesday night. James Allen, welcome along. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas. Happy Festivus. I have my pole, and I'm ready to air my grievances. I wouldn't have gotten that joke about two weeks ago until I finished Seinfeld, but I do do get it now. I see a lot of people celebrating Festivus as opposed to Christmas this year. I think that's probably because of the nature of this Christmas, isn't it? Yes, I, I, a lot of people have a lot of grievances, I think. Uh, so yeah. get them all out of the way today and then um, self-medicate starting tomorrow. That's the plan. Yeah. People who love to air their grievances are Celtic fans. And there were a lot of Celtic fans <laughs> airing their grievances Nicely on done. social media last night. See that for a trans, uh, transition? That is why I'm hosting this show. All pro. Listen, nil-nil against St. Marin. A disappointing result, uh, no doubt, especially at this time of year when when wins are all important. It was a bad result for Celtic. It does not help them in any way in the title race. And it wasn't an overall good performance either from Celtic. I think wasteful would would be one word that could sum that up. A couple of changes made by Ange. He said that they weren't as a result of uh, resting players. They were more a necessity to make these changes. Moffat got his first start at uh, right wing for Celtic. Liam Scales came in at left back. Abada playing up front uh, instead of Kyogo. 
Tom Rogic, Cal McGregor, and Nir Beaton in the midfield, and Mikey Johnson also playing as part of that front three. Celtic had a lot of shots in this game, but not many um, good shots, I guess, if it ends nil-nil. A lot of people very angry with this. And before we get into the actual analysis, I'll let you guys do the analysis, but I just want to say one short thing on the reaction to this game. Yes, it was a bad result. Yes, Celtic were wasteful. Yes, it is frustrating that we have to play these teams. And it and it, sometimes it comes out like Celtic are struggling to beat a certain ty- type of team this year. But does that mean Ange is a fraud? No, no. No, it doesn't. Does that mean this Celtic team aren't going in the right direction? No, it doesn't. It simply means that Celtic drew a game that they should have won. And these things happen. I mean, it's not like Celtic have gone the last 10 years winning every single game of every single season. There are draws along the way in certain seasons. And yes, it's not ideal, but these things happen. And I, I the, the boom to bust feeling and mentality at Celtic, I don't know if it's just on social media or if it's actually felt within uh, the, the fan base of Celtic, but I am very, very tired of the boom to bust attitude when it comes to not winning games. You're not going to win every game. That's just the way things happen. Teams are going to set up in ways that, to frustrate you. And I actually don't blame the way St. Mirren played against them. If I was in St. Mirren's position with the budget they have, I'd play this way against Celtic as well. That's just the way it, it goes. That's the way football is. And ultimately, you're not going to get the results every single time when you want the results. But does that mean that the team isn't going in the right direction? I don't believe it is. So that is my passionate plea to the Celtic fans to judge the season over the course of the season, not over the course of every single game. The season is not defined by one game. The season is defined over the course of a season. That's why it lasts so long. So James and Alan, I'll let you just come in with your thoughts on the game from last night. So um, James, do you want to kick us off? What was your general uh, our sort of analysis of, of the, the game Obviously, a lot of shots, but not many good ones, I guess. Yeah, it was a bit of a uh, back to the future with some of the other games that we've had. Kyogo-less games and then also games against teams that um, park the bus and play narrow. We've talked about this uh, repeatedly since since um, the window closed. And the challenges that we have relative to personnel, and um, that was just amplified yesterday given the the uh, onslaught of injuries, uh, which I'll probably get back to at some point here. And um, so it, it, it's ironically, and I, I thought about this, I've been off the grid so much uh, for the most part on, uh, on, on Celtic Twitter this week, just to take a break. And cause it was getting kind of toxic as you, I, I worried that we were going to have a bit of a manic swing after the elation of Sunday. Uh, cause there's been warning signs. I mean, the Motherwell game, the Ross County game, you know, we we're limping, or we limped now, I guess, into Sunday, most both uh, metaphorically and literally, and um, so, and you know, football fans are just a microcosm of society, and there's a lot going on right now. I mean, I have so much uh, empathy for everybody on the other side of the ocean right now with what's going on with with um, seemingly potential more lockdowns and everything else. So it, there's a lot going on in society and. People being manic is is kind of understandable within that context. I, ironically, and again, I, I I had this thought I didn't share because I've been off the grid for the most part. Was I I, I was worried that the circumstances with Saint Marin might actually be worse for us, meaning that um, for the most part they have had a more expansive um, 
open strategy against us, particularly when they've played at home in recent years under uh, Goodwin. And, uh, you know, for the most part, that hasn't played out for them too well. You know, they've taken some pretty big hits in some games, some other games when, you know, their keeper has a good game, kind of like the guy did yesterday. It can be relatively close. So I, I actually think that their limitations on personnel ended up, and, and he actually talked about that. I mean, they trained once in the last six days. Um, they had a bunch of youth guys on the bench and some youth guys that were, you know, pushed up into playing time. Um, so I think he simplified, he parked the bus out of necessity. And as we've seen this season, that is one of the more effective ways to kind of stifle us, uh, particularly when our personnel are the way they, the way it is. But again, I'm not even sure how much Kyogo would have mattered. I mean, he might, he obviously would have helped, um, but it's not as as if we, we haven't struggled a little bit, even with him playing against these kind of low blocks. Um, so you know, it was one of those games where it was kind of uh, 70-30 to drop points. And we've kind of been in that zone. I talked about this on the last show, the last three league games, Motherwell, uh, Ross County, and now this one, we were around 20 to 30% probability of using XG. You do that three times, you're probably going to drop points in one of the three, and that's kind of what happened. So, you know, um, that's that's basically uh, – how it transpired in my mind. Mm. Alan, 30 shots, eight on target, 84% possession, almost five times as many passes. I mean, th- this was a, a dominant Celtic dis- display on the sort of higher level stats, I guess, if you're going to look at them. When you dig deeper down, what was like the, what was the XG for this game? How, how did Celtic, were, were the chances that they created good or... Um, what would your take from this? <laughs> yeah, no, one of the things that's been in my mind uh, in the last couple of weeks, and I'll be doing an article on Kyogo, uh, which will be coming out in the Celtic way in a, in a, in a day or two, is, is about this whole you know notion of quality over quantity. And, and I think we're Celtic have been om- almost a facade of of types is you know talking about xg on a single game basis has almost become routine now and and we kind of look at that as as, as as much as we look at a lot of the other bits of data but it's problematic on a on an individual game basis and one of the reasons is as i say it does mask i think the quality versus the quantity and celtic have been doing volume recently not quality and that's been the problem so the average expected goals per shot last night was around 0.05, um, which is <laughs> like essentially you might as well take every shot from outside the box. That's how that's how bad that is, right? Um, so you know, 30 shots, yeah, but really, can you remember big chances? Uh, almost half of them were blocked, I think, too, Alan. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. So you know, um, you've got, you've got a very you've you've got a front line that has. Moffat, I mean, Moffat's come from B-team Lowland League football. That is an enormous jump in standard for him to be pitched in to that game. I, I personally would have put Juranovic in, but, you know, it's a, we're, we're quibbling about probably margins here at this stage and let Moffat come on against a tiring uh, defence as opposed to being kicked up and down the pitch by Tanzer all day, which I'm sure he learned something from it individually, but it didn't really help Celtic particularly. Um, Abada, I, I wouldn't be too harsh on him. You know, he's only two years, two months older than than Moffat. He's a lot more experienced, but
but he's essentially trying to find space amongst three central defenders that, that didn't move. They just didn't move the whole game. They did not come out of their positions. And that's a tough shift, and it would have been tough for Kyogo as well. And then the, the, the rather enigmatic Johnson on the other side, who um, I, I started to look at his data, um, such as it is, because as we know, you know, 12, 12 appearances worth of data is the most he's ever wrapped up in any season, and he's only on about just over 500 minutes this season. So he's actually got scant data on him. But I do I do worry with him that, um, you know, he's, he's, actually, he's actually averaging 0.8 scoring contributions per 90 minutes. Let me just explain that. Goals and assists, goals plus assists. 0.8 a game is actually pretty good. That would be like almost Sinclair, El Unissi at his best type level. But he's actually got zero. <laughs> now, you could say that's bad luck, and maybe there is a bit of bad luck about it. But it could also be that he's taking bad shots and his passing to create chances are not great passes. And I think there's probably a lot of that in it as well. And that comes back to the final ball or the, the final decision kind of um, perception that people have of him. But I think as well, you know, we've uh, one of the things I mentioned last week, and, and and by the way, I did say last week that I think we'll win the final, but I'm worried that we'll then draw with St Mirren. So, <laughs> but fortunately, I don't gamble. Um, <laughs> one one of the things that I said was, you know, just the reliance and the continuing burden that, especially now that Turnbull's injured, that now McGregor and Rogic are carrying uh, in midfield, and and what was very evident was that. Both of those players put in a tremendous shift physically uh, on Sunday. Um, both had very productive games on Sunday. McGregor, in particular, had a very uh, emotionally <laughs> draining day being captain, and all that meant to him personally to win his first trophy as captain. You can't underestimate the, the sheer relief he probably would have felt in, in achieving that. Um, and you could see it in his reaction uh, in the game. So mo- mentally and physically exhausting for both players on Sunday, and and they mm. and they and they contributed very little uh, last night. They were the experienced pros with a very young forward line in front of them, and they just couldn't didn't have the physical energy or mental energy to impose themselves on that game. And that that probably was the biggest factor. I mean, Rogic actually had six shots, but his total expected. Uh, goals was something like 0.2. I don't remember any of his shots, frankly. <laughs> you know, McGregor only completed 68 passes in a game that Celtic had over 600 passes, and McGregor is the most ball hungry player in the team. He only completed 68 passes, only two of them yeah. were, were actually key. I'm not blaming them, we're just totally reliant on these people. So, one of the, one of the you know, James you know, alluded to COVID and putting the, the whole mood and reaction of people in the context of, of the social environment we live in which is absolutely right and one of the other things that we should have all learned from covid is that just because you're bored hearing something it doesn't make it any less true and we've been saying all season this is a very very fragile uh, squad in terms of quality it is down to its bare bones we lost turnbull on on uh, sunday taylor wasn't deemed fit enough to start the game kyogo wasn't deemed fit enough to be in the squad hart was off with a, with a, with an injury uh, that we did, we didn't we didn't know about you know, we didn't have any any forwards. The most attacking player on the on the bench is a right back, <laughs> or I mean, you know, and and you know the fact that Ewan Henderson wasn't put on is probably a little bit bit telling, I'm afraid. So you know, the, all of those factors about the depth of the squad, the 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 the, the sheer um, 
you know, erosion to the physicality of the squad that the way that Boscoglu wants to play is having, the impact it's having and the adjustment period it's going to take to get a squad of players that can play that way game after game after game, minute after minute. You know, it doesn't happen overnight. It's going to take, as we said, a number of transfer windows and a number of um, amount of time for people to adjust physically and mentally uh, to, 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 to that information, to the structures that he's putting in place. And we've been saying this virtually every episode since we started, and, and it's equally true today as it was at the beginning of the season, I'm afraid. And people may have want to move on from that, but it's it's still true. So you know, yeah. I, I, you can't be. You know, yes, we 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 fell we fell back onto the trap we've fallen back onto in these types of games, banging in cross after cross. I think um, you know the uh, Fort Mob had us as fifty four crosses. We averaged twenty eight a game, so fifty four crosses. And yes, they weren't great crosses. They were high. They were loopy. You know, they were un, unfocused, etc. So all these things are products of tired minds and, and poor decision making from 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 inexperienced players. Um, the last point I'll, I'll say is just to reinforce one of the points that James made, which is for St Mirren, from their perspective, do not underestimate the power of simplicity and the fact that they could completely unclutter their minds as to their game plan. Do, do not underestimate the power of that. If you send out eleven athletes and say. You've got literally. You've got one job. This is your job. That's all I want you to do. You're not going to get criticised. You're not going to get beaten up. I don't even care if we lose. But this is your job. That's all I want you to focus on. You know that that actually. Um, you know again against a, a tired team who's, who who absolutely has to win is a pretty effective way of playing. And, and it's actually yeah. and it actually is. Uh, you know you're going to get you're probably going to get a good result as we saw. You just you just completely free them of any anxiety and free them. Of any complexity in, in in the job that they're doing, and um, so you know, don't don't underestimate the power of that either. Yeah, for sure. There's a lot in that answer, Alan, to to pick through uh, on Cal McGregor. Firstly, what I will say is his biggest asset to the team, as well as being the captain, is the fact that he is incredibly fit when it comes to not picking up injuries. <clears throat> Excuse me. Can you imagine, like, if, imagine Cal McGregor was the same as Rogic in the terms in terms of his just soft tissue injuries every couple of weeks, Celtic would be absolutely screwed without him. So, and the, the mental aspect of it as well. I I did a an interview series for work on off the ball with athletes in Ireland around a, a new technology. Whoop, it's called. It's a it's like one of these smart watches, but it measures. It's it's it measures your strain. No, it measures. It's, your it's not. It's not literally everything. a whip. That's a shame. <laughs> no, it's it's whoop, 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 whoop. Yeah, like the noise you make. Um, I thought we we're going back so to the nineteen twenties. Run faster. No. Uh, it it measures it measures your strain. It measures your rest. Whether you're all your all your different you you uh, you do your diary entry every day with your training things like that, and essentially one of the athletes brought up the fact what what they did on match day and she uh, before the olympics she would sit in her room watching netflix or whatever before her game and on her watch it said that her strain had gone into the red her 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 muscles were were actually tight from just sitting there because she was stressed about what was going on and and about the game so the mental aspect of the game is very difficult to measure but if you can actually measure that in some sort of qualitative way, you will see that it has a huge impact on 
your physical attributes as well. So I, I think you were spot on with that uh, take on Cal McGregor as well about the mental aspect. A couple of things to run through just quickly in terms of news for Celtic before we move on to the, the League Cup final because, I mean, we do want to talk about the high of the season as well. The SPFL have taken forward the winter break, so we're going to get the Boxing Day fixtures and then we're going to have the three-week break. Bernard Higgins will not be joining Celtic in good news. Uh, he ruled that out since our last show. Uh, he's not joining, so that shows you the power of protest and the power of the people in coming through in, in the best possible way for Celtic. If it, if, and then, if, if it was uh, ever on the cards anyway, I mean, what a lot of energy exactly. expended over who, something who that, could, that might happen. <laughs> yeah, it's good that it's not happening anyway. And then well, yeah. today, Celtic have announced uh, just in the last half hour or so that uh, Michael Nicholson has been appointed as the uh, CEO of Celtic with um, uh, Chris Mackay, the club's financial director, uh, moving up in his role. So Michael Nich- Nicholson is the new chief uh, executive officer at Celtic. So not much change at board level in this uh, rebuild season that was supposed to go on. A couple of comments coming in. Uh, thanks to Robbie, who left a super uh, a super comment. Have we not got scouts in the championships and lower divisions? McGiddy would have still done a job for us in a game like that last night. Uh, I I'm, I don't think Ed McGiddy at his age is going to make the impact that, that you think he might, Robbie. I'm sorry. He is doing quite well at uh, League One level uh, for Sunderland, but he's not Celtic material at the minute. A, lo- a lot of uh, interesting stories coming out about Ed McGiddy in the last couple of years, by the way. I, he, he is much more sort of... Um, I, I don't know what we, what would you call it? masculine or a dominant a dominant really dominant character than, than we would have it's an alpha an alpha a big time alpha that's the word I was looking for there so uh, that's that's beside the point let's talk about some good news and that was Ange Postecoglou's first uh, trophy for Celtic as manager the League Cup coming in a game against Hibs Kyogo with the the two goals the the winning goal one of the best goals that Celtic have scored in a final in the last decade, I think it was absolutely brilliant. And considering he basically has one hamstring, it was even more impressive. So again, we were talking about one-off fixtures going into this, Alan. I think you correctly predicted uh, that Celtic would not dominate the game, but would win it in the end. And again, you you also uh, predicted the, the outcome in the St. Mirren game. So I'll let you have... Or James, I'll <laughs> let you have the first shout on the... Uh, the Hibs game in general, what what did you make of the team performance? I thought we were fortunate. Um, you know, the I, I was sitting, I, I watch a lot of the games with my father-in-law, who's who's soon to be 80, and he's Peruvian, who uh who resides with us. Uh so I've I've um he's become an adopted Celtic supporter in the last uh uh three years. So um he even commented to me. I also joke, I, I accompany him on uh, his doctor's appointments to do English to English translation. Uh, so when, when the doctors or nurses say something to him in English, I turn around and repeat it to him in English because uh, <laughs> none, none of us speak Spanish. <laughs> um, so uh, he commented to me in, early in the game. He asked me if there was something wrong with, uh, uh, he, he calls him the Japanese guy and because um, he doesn't know all the names. And, and I, I thought it was kind of obvious too. I mean, he, he and, and it was confirmed after the game, um, I think with some of Ange's comments that he was not fit um, playing on one leg, basically. So he just wasn't moving the way he normally does. And um, 
I mean, it was really two moments of um, brilliance and, and uh, you know, great uh, through ball by McGregor and then a great smart play by Rogic and uh, two just tremendous finishes from a guy. You know, I, I kind of, for, for uh, you know, the baseball fans out there, it gave me some images of uh, Kirk Gibson, uh, an infamous play in, in baseball history in 1988 for the Dodgers. He came up to pinch hit and, and basically won the World Series on one leg. He came up and was limping and came up against one of the most dominant pitchers of the year and hit a home run to win the game. And he like limped the whole way around the bases. He could barely walk. Um, and I, I kind of had images of that, thinking about that performance from Kyoko, because it was kind of um, heroic in that sense, the way he was able to do what he did, probably playing through some significant pain and um, not not up, up to snuff, so to speak. Outside of that, I mean... Hibbs didn't play very well in particularly in the first half and still kind of the balance of play was, you know, not, not great. Um, so I, I kind of thought it would be a coin flip kind of game. And I, I think that's about where it ended up. Um, and, you know, we kind of had a Sophie's choice with Kyogo, meaning that do you play him? We talked about this before the game, do you play him and gamble potential injury? more severe injury. We don't know what how he came out of that game, by the way. All we know is he didn't make the team um, yesterday, and it looks like from what Ange said, he's not going to be able to be available for Sunday. So, you know, how he came through the game, we don't know. Um, and, you know, so it was great to win it. Uh, I think the question is going to be at what cost. And, um, you know, it was to me it was basically a similar performance to Motherwell and Ross County just against a bit of a better opponent. Um, and we happen to have some, you know, brilliance from Kyogo. Yeah. I was, I was surprised. Cause I, I mean, I put the hypothetical question out there, whether Kyogo or Jota should start the game in the final. And I, I was completely hypothetical. that I didn't think either of them would play. I was really surprised when Kyogo played as well. I'd say significant painkillers got him through that game. And, He'll be on significant painkillers for a couple of weeks. So I guess, look, the question I'm going to ask you, Alan, here is slightly unfair, but the League Cup, winning a trophy, securing that little bit of, I don't know, mindset that this is going the right way. And with the Cup coming up, maybe Celtic could win that as well. The League may not be secured this year by Ange. So... Is this is this Ange thinking? Look, we'll go win this, and if it has an impact on the league by the end of the season, a lot of people with the the gap that was in it and the amount of turnover, not many people would have favored Celtic for the league anyway. So, is winning silverware more important than perhaps the league this year? <laughs> no. So you know, the game, the, game, the, game, the game, the game, the game was everything I hoped and everything I feared at the same time. I spoke last week that I thought we'd win. I thought your Postecoglou's brilliant man manager will get his team up. They'll give it everything. Again, context of the game. You, you, if you look through that team, there's only Rogic and McGregor. Uh, that were part of Celtic serial winning treble period. The other 
you know, nine players on that pitch haven't yet earned their spurs as far as being serial winners with Celtic. Okay. Uh, and, I, and I would even remove McGregor from that because I think McGregor in his own mind goes, I'm captain of Celtic and I've got zero trophies. And this is my first as captain. And that's really important. And so you've probably got Rogic. <laughs> He's the only one who, who didn't have a burden of, I've got to win this to get to, to because that's what's being playing, being a Celt you're expected to do. Um, so, so I think I think you know there was a lot. The, the final was probably not unexpected because, again, as I said last week, this was Hibs' season, right? This is as good as it's going to get for Hibs. They're, they're in mid-table. They're 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 about to hire a new manager. They're going to go through another flux in terms of new ideas, potentially new players. They're underperforming. Um, that you know, being in a final, actually winning a trophy, makes it a great season for Hibs. If nothing else happened, if they finished sixth, got knocked out of the third round of the Scottish Cup by. Berwick Rangers and won the League Cup. That's still a great season uh, for Hibs. So, so they they were going to put everything into this, and 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 they did, and and still played really badly in my opinion. <laughs> I thought they were awful, Hibs, absolutely awful. Um, but they managed what they did manage to do was just disrupt the game. Uh, they made it a really really bitty game. And again, come back to this theme of if you look at the overall statistics and the data from the game, again it sort of says reasonably dominant Celtic performance. But again, don't be fooled by that because, I mean, just it's a little thing like there was 25% more throw-ins in this game than there are in any other Celtic game. That's just an indication of how bitty and broken up it was. Their goalkeeper was wasting time from about the fifth minute, first goal kick. It just slowed the game down. It just broke it up and just made it a more complicated, less flowing game than uh, than, than it needed to be. I mean, even even expected goals were all over the place. It, you know, some some people had the hips on way more expected goals than Celtic. I had it about one point six to Celtic and just under one to Hibs. So you know, different models had different because the, because the shot and the reason for that is because a lot of the shots weren't actually clear. They were blocks or they were you know they were kind of from odd angles. So you could you could have you could have interpreted them almost in, diff, in different ways. It was that that kind of game. But for me. Just therefore, with, with all that context, just getting over the line uh, and winning the thing was hugely important because, you know, for, it's important for Postacoglu because if there are any remaining naysayers, and I suspect there are still a few, it just shuts shuts them down. It closes that that debate down. He's won his first trophy, you know, after being here for six months and in the context of, of all the um, variance he's had to deal with, most of it negative. So so I think it's hugely psychologically important to have won that um but you know post you asked me you know you should you're alluding to should we be making choices and prioritizing i i don't believe that i believe celtic should have a squad of players that means they try and win every competition every game in every competition and, and i believe what i understand of postacoco is his mentality will be to win every game in every competition he will want to win the europa conference league he will want to win the scottish cup he will want to win the SPFL. That's his mentality. That's what he'll be telling the players. And they'll be got sent out in every game to play the way to win that. So no holding back, no slowing down, no resting players, right? This will be all out in every single game. And it's a question of can can new players be assimilated? Can new players be brought in? Can they be assimilated? Can those who are stepping up and probably performing above their their, their natural abilities, can they maintain that for a period of time? And can people's bodies put up with the demands that are going to come? Those are all the questions uh, that, that we're going to have to uh, be addressed as we go forward. Yeah, I was 
slightly playing devil's advocate there with that question, but I, I just wanted to, you know, <laughs> throw it on the table as a possibility. I will get your thoughts on the, um, this, the winter break and what that's going to mean at the end of it. But the Kyogo winning goal, it was a spectacular goal. It really was. I saw Hibbs giving out that the free was taken quickly. I mean, come on, get, Get someone to stand in front of the ball. This is School basic, stuff. basic, basic defending. You like you tell a twelve-year-old to stand in front of the ball when there's a free kick. Not men who are playing professional football. Like that was that was their fault that they weren't set up and ready to to counteract that. But the Ryan Christie one springs to mind just for recency bias in the Scottish Cup last year. This goal now is this one of the best goals Celtic have scored to win a trophy in recent memory, at least. I think Edward's second. Uh, I think for the trouble, trouble was it? Yeah, the, 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 the loose dig through ball with the header. Yeah, it reminded I, me of that goal. Yeah, <laughs> I think that was probably comparable. Um, mm. I don't think the finish was quite as, um, but the complex. Yeah, yeah, but the 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 loose dig header was. You know, I don't even know if he meant it the way he ended up going he or did, if he yeah, was he just did. getting it the hell out. But no, he did. <laughs> it was. He it, it looked like he meant it, which is, <laughs> made it cool. Um, so yeah, I think those are t- the two that come to my mind. Um, one of my personal favorites is the Tom Rogic one. Was it against Aberdeen? Yeah, yeah. To yeah. win the original, the first yeah, trouble. You know? I think that probably yeah. tops tops it. To be honest, uh, ah, it was, yeah, it was yeah. magic. Yeah, yeah. Nakamura's magic. free kick against Kilmarnock to win the league. Yeah, that was nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if there's if there's anybody in the comments watching on YouTube, do let us know your favorite Celtic goal. Be that to win the. Win a, yeah, win a trophy or, or otherwise. I think I think Kyogo's was probably the most difficult one, meaning that the you know the skill level of the finish to me is probably the highest. I mean that was the the angle that he was able to do that at, um, given where the keeper was, and the keeper probably made a mistake. So the keeper kind of allowed him to do that, but he recognized that the keeper had made a mistake, and you know the speed of that to me is one of the the real differentiators of him is, is speed of thought. I mean, how quickly uh, he's able to make smart decisions. Um, and, you know, is we always talk about kind of that innate IQ that certain players have, and it's just speed of thought manifests. And, and it was just, it was genius. I mean, it was really just a genius play. It was, it, yeah. was a, it was a, it was a fact that he knew it was a goal as soon as it left his foot, yeah. and, he, and, he, and he turned. He was celebrating and, and, before it went. And I was, and I was like, I was like, going like this, watching. When's it going to land? You know, <laughs> he knew. Yep. He just knew. <laughs> and and great, the greats do. I mean, that's mm. again. It reminds me mm. of uh, Michael Jordan's infamous shot over Craig Elo in the NBA to win a game, a playoff game. He just he shoots it, turns around, just puts his hand up. You know, he just, he knows it's going in. Mm. Uh, mm. I mean, just genius, absolute genius. I I think that only Kyogo and potentially Dembele of strikers in recent Celtic teams that would have had the ability to do that. I don't think Edouard does that. Um, controversially, people might not not agree with me on that. Philip DeMarco is saying Joe Miller, 89, Gary Stevens, pass back. Alan, I'm not sure. If, <laughs> or, do you remember that one? It was a very scruffy goal, but it's just funny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was like Celtic's last great kind of trophy before the horrible 90s kicked mm. in so people people remember it very fondly and that was a very expensively assembled rangers team at the time that uh, celtic beat on that day yeah uh, pat nevin by the way was saying that he sees kyogo 
playing in the Premier League within a year and a half, and he wasn't mentioning a sort of a Christopher Iyer situation where he goes to Brentford. He was mentioning Liverpool and Man-, Man City as potential suitors for Hugo. When you think of his key ability of pressing and how good he he is at that at high, high energy football, you could actually see Hugo playing at a, at a team like Liverpool, but. We don't want to imagine that future just yet. We want to enjoy him while, while we have him at the club. Moving on to the, the winter break. So the SPFL have confirmed this. Celtic were pushing for it before this St. Mirren game. Even I mean, St. Mirren were looking for for this game to be called off as well. So uh, surprise, surprise, there was one team that was objecting to this. Um, but it, it is going ahead and there's going to be a three-week break now after the Boxing Day fixtures. So, I mean... Uh, with Celtic's injury list, this can only be a good thing, right, James? Yeah, I, I think it's um, fortuitous in that regard. Um, you know, if if these injury problems continue to cascade, as I talked about the layering of risks last week and, and my concerns about those, um, you know, we have we had Hibs scheduled next week and then Rangers. So was, even at home, given the state that we're in, I mean, if you feel last night's team or something comparable to that uh, with two, you know, another game in their legs um, heading into a home game against Hibs again, to me, I'm thinking that's kind of a coin flip kind of game. I'm not thinking, you know, I'm not uh, hugely confident of three points um, go, going out, uh, coming out of that. And then, you know, going into a Derby with that type of, squad would be you know horrifying might be too strong of a word but it's closer to that than than uh terribly uh confident for me so i i think it's fortuitous i think um now again the the complicating factor if we're bringing guys in from japan which it sounds like at least one sounds really certain the others two hopefully but you know believe it when we see it kind of thing um with new restrictions and quarantining and who, who knows what that's going to mean relative to them getting here. I should hear getting, getting to Scotland. Um, and then, um, you know, getting up to speed, uh, what kind of break they're going to need because they just finished their season. I mean, there's a lot of moving variables here. So, you know, on balance, but I, I heard something earlier uh, this week about maybe Jota's injury is more severe. I'd heard somewhere that he'd gone back to, Benfica. Uh, I don't know if any of that's true. Um, you know, so I, it, it's, uh, it, it can only help three weeks is good, but is it long enough to get healthy and the squad upgrades that we need playing at a level that we need them to, um, to, to meet that first hips game. And then, you know, throw in the mix of, we don't even know what's going on with the international duty situation for, Rangers and Celtic heading into potentially February 2nd. Um, so I don't, I don't know. It, it's, I think it's going to be pretty crazy. Um, the one thing I will say is that I continue to be concerned about the decision-making at the club relative to risk management. <laughs> um, so, you know, uh, three, three weeks of, of healing and rest, relative rest, I think can, can be a huge positive in kind of alleviating some of that short-term pressure and problems that, that that have been growing all season and kind of came to a head in the last three weeks. Outside of the injury reasons, Alan, you mentioned before, and I think we saw it the last couple of times that Celtic have had 
a week, <laughs> even just a week to work between games because I mean at this stage of the season you're really just playing games you're not working much on the training ground it's almost game recovery game recovery these three weeks in terms of working with players who are fit enough to work could be absolutely vital as well yeah I mean we've seen continual I would say continual improvement in terms of adoption of how Postacoglu wants to play so for example in the in the last few weeks the um, ability of McGregor in particular to play more vertical direct passes has been a real feature. And that's something that's clearly been worked on, talked about and implemented. And and, and we scored a goal in the cup final because of it. Uh, and, and, and in fact, and then we scored a goal against Dundee United to, you know, to open that game up for Turnbull because of that. And if you look at his data, he's just he's just taking his game to another level, uh, in creatively because of that. That's just one of the, one of the, the little things. We've seen players like Scales and um, Taylor Taylor in the cup final, uh, you know, really really taking on board the whole concept of, of of why they're moving into midfield and what they then do on the back of that, and and really sort of um, implementing that successfully. So every minute on the training field without the necessity to specific plan for, for another game where the players can take on board that information and implement what's required is going to be massively important because this is a guy with a plan. This is a guy who's absolutely certain that if the players, he's given the players to implement it, they will win uh, They will win titles, okay? So he needs he needs to be given time to, to get that information across. The, the problem that we've got, the biggest problem, again, you know, is, is just the quality gap. He's not working with the quality of players, especially in the forward areas. That are required, and yeah, and then and if you don't have that quality, you can create thirty chances. You can have thirty shots, but if if you if you're not got the right quality players on the end of them, you're not you know you're not going to win football matches, and that that has to be uh, remedied. It has to be you know the club has to support, and we have to get some of these fit players back properly, not just hobbling around and playing on one leg, but actually properly fit to play two games a season. That's absolutely imperative. You're muted. Yeah. You're muted. Ah, oh, you just ruined all that professionalism from yeah, earlier. That was that last sip of Guinness. Oh, uh, and, uh... <laughs> one, one pint of Guinness in, he's already making mistakes. That's <laughs> a shocker. That is a shocker. <laughs> um, what, I was, what I was going to ask was, I guess, if we're looking at the three-week break, outside of the obvious of, you know, working on Angie's style, improving different players, getting players back fit, if I could ask you for one thing that you specifically want to be worked on on these three weeks, what do you think is most vital for Celtic teams? Boy, that's a good question. Um... Because, I mean, look, the the main thing people have thrown at Celtic, and it's bizarre that they've done so, is defensively, even though they have the best defense in the league. So yeah, for me, it's not defense. We're not scoring enough goals. That's what it is. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I... I, I um, the, the one area that continues to kind of befuddle me is uh final third decision making and i think alan's point on vertical passing is is a, a hugely important one and insightful one um and and it's you know we we've talked about this before as it pertains to mcgregor specifically but i i wouldn't have thought to apply it to turnbull but i think alan's right to do so is uh you know mcgregor's passing profile has been you know, if you want to criticize it, it would, it's been overly conservative at times. Uh, um, and, and him taking more risk with his passing, I think, uh, 
he's shown an ability to do that and he certainly seems to have the uh the, the football intellect to identify the opportunities uh, so it's just basically doing it and executing it i the big problem for me continues to be shot selection um and having the people that are good at certain things doing certain things and i i wrote a piece about that this week about a concern of mine with turnbull being out and the fact that you know i, I think the the general mood within the support about turnbull has soured a bit um you know people saying he needs to take a rest and all these other things and and i think the the glow so to speak has kind of gone on to Rogic on a relative basis um and and the two areas that that turnbull stands out head and shoulders above um uh mcgregor in that eight position is is executing of shots i mean he's a better shooter uh he, he's i don't know if it's technique i mean his decision making isn't necessarily all that much better but he's just better at doing it um and then set pieces and we saw it yesterday um you know i did an analysis on that and the, the difference he makes in we all of the criticism about our set pieces this year, uh, we, our XG is uh, significantly higher than last season. Uh, some of that's because we're taking more, but you also have to back out the ones that we take short, right? That we're not, you know, actually crossing in. So if you adjust for that, I think it's about the same, the number, uh, but our XG's up. And so some of that's coaching, but we're scoring about the same number of goals that we should. And that's with, personnel who you would not um necessarily highlight as good in the air I meaning carter vickers i don't think has a header goal this season starfelt doesn't um so it's basically ralston and i don't know who i can't even think off the top of my head like who's been scoring those goals <laughs> um but it's not the people that you would normally expect and and they're mm -hmm. not really you know that's not their strength from a so the fact that we're even getting those goals and we're basically second in the league behind Rangers at creating goals off of off corners, for example, um, and, and the relative quality that Turnbull puts in. And we had 16 corners last night, right? So could one of those have gone in maybe <laughs> uh, with a better delivery? Um, you know, so I, I think that's an aspect that um, is over overlooked. And if we can get guys like him, and McGregor, and to a lesser extent, Rogic, making better decisions as far as when to shoot um, and making that kind of situational. I don't know if they're going to do it through video or what, but, um, you know, it, it, it's just, it, it's become a point where our midfield is a detractor for, in value relative to their decision-making and when to shoot. And and that's that's problematic. Um, particularly with the issues that Alan highlights, you know, if our front three aren't doing the job, you got to rely on that midfield to maybe pull some of the weight. And, um, they haven't been to, to any significant degree, particularly if Turnbull's out for any length of time. Yeah. My one thing, I guess, to, to add to yours and uh, I mean, I, look, Celtic do not have the personnel to become what Man City have become. But what I would like to see is to follow their model in one specific way, and that is the players that do not have that decision-making or the ability to play that final ball 
we need to get them into positions where they don't have to make that choice. So if you take the likes of Mikey Johnson, for example, who has amazing dribbling, dribbling skills, but when it comes to that final pass, that final shot, just doesn't there, just escapes him. And if you think about what Pep did with Sterling, who has the exact same issue, he's really good on the ball. You know, he, he follows instruction really well, which I think you can say about Mikey Johnson. But just that final thing is just missing there from bringing him to the next level. And Pep just said, look, I want you to be in the five-yard box when we're passing the ball across. Is that something that Ange could do with Mikey Johnson or Abada? Maybe it doesn't fit into the general the game plan, but I think just fixing them in ways that they can be fixed rather than expecting them to do things that you know they just don't have the ability to do. And I might be being on, on a little bit unfair with Mikey Johnson there, but I think if you can make him strong in areas that um, you wouldn't normally expect him to rather than trying to fix things that he's not just, just generally not going to get to a certain level with, I think that's something that w- could certainly bring Celtic forward a little bit. Uh, Alan, final word to you on this? Yeah, yeah. No, you've actually touched on what I was going to say. Um, I don't think you're being unfair to Mikey Johnson. I just think you're being incredibly optimistic. <laughs> but, but hey-ho. Um, what I was going to say was what I want to see more of and what I want them to work on is, again, it's an attacking thing. And, and again, I'll say this again, working on attacking shape and attacking patterns is the hardest part of coaching, right? Any 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 numpty can set up a defence, as we saw last night. <laughs> Sorry, Jim. Um but but setting up attacking patterns is incredibly difficult. What I would like to see more of is what we saw against Ross County for that first goal. Okay, that encapsulated a number of key elements of the way Postecoglou wants to play, and it was executed perfectly. Where you had um, scales coming in intelligently into midfield, taking the ball, it caused confusion in the Ross County defence. McGregor pulled off wide. He then played a very direct vertical pass to Scales who continued to run diagonally into the space that had been vacated by the, by the winger. And, the, and they got concerned about that winger and McGregor overload, creating a huge space for Scales to run into. And then Scales putting a low, hard cross into the six-yard box for Abada to tap in. Um, that, that type of goal, which harks back to how Manchester City play, is how you know I think he wants to play it and is a template for the type of goal that Celtic should be uh, aiming for, given the way that we the way we play and the idea that Mikey could be Mikey Johnson in the middle tapping those in like Raheem Sterling has done for the last two seasons is is a novel thought. I hadn't thought of that one, but it's a good shout. Um, but certainly, it's something that Abada can do because Abada's pace over five yards and his finishing ability and his his, his um, reading of the game. In, in the in the box is I think exceptional for someone of his age. Um, he's got he's again he's got a very specific but, but very very important skill set there. He doesn't necessarily have all the the all round attributes to be an all round forward, but he has got those attributes which would lend himself to being on the end of that type of uh, that type of play. So yeah, look at that first goal against Ross County, break it down, and and then Im- improve. The coherence of creating those types of opportunities that's what i'd like to see because i think that'll get the best out of the players that we've got somebody mentioned earlier on the show that id mcgiddy could do a job for for celtic i've just seen that uh, shinshuki nakamura has continued his career he's signing for yokohama fc next year at 44 years old in the j league so i mean why not we're already in the asian market you know bring in 44 year old shinshuki nakamura to rival uh, David Turnbull on the set pieces 
but uh, <laughs> no, I, I, I don't think he would have the energy for the, the Ange football somehow. Before we finish up then, anything else you just want to bring up before we close off the, the Christmas period of games? I guess we have a Boxing Day fixture, but I don't know if, if I'll be in the forum to record a podcast the day after Boxing Day. I'm not sure. Maybe I will be. I don't know. <laughs> no, I, I'm just happy I, I had considered um, booking a, a trip uh, for, for um, January 2nd to uh, go to one of the CSEs here on the Mid-Atlantic uh, to watch the game and uh, was holding off. I don't know why, just procrastination, not some clairvoyance on COVID lockdowns. Uh, so I'm I'm happy that I didn't waste a few hundred dollars on uh, travel arrangements. So I, I have sympathy and empathy for all those who did make those arrangements, uh, particularly people that travel um, from Ireland and such to, to go to games. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, it's uh, I, I've, I've, it, it is rough. The going down to five hundred. I mean, it's essentially zero. It, you're not, you're not going to get five hundred people to, that are going to go to these games. It's, it is really just a shame that it has come to this. But I guess in these countries, this, the the decision making is made by people who are in in power and i guess that's what's happening that that, that's actually one of the reasons why we're recording the podcast earlier today is because i'm going to my uh my christmas drinks and the pubs are closed at eight o'clock in ireland uh, over christmas so for a country like ireland who have affiliation with pubs you can imagine what that's doing to the morale of the country so so, so let me get get this right you're not actually going to drink any less than you would have done had the pub been open till one. It's just you got to get it all in by eight o'clock. Is that have I got that exactly? Right? And you're going and earlier. Mean, it, yeah. it, it's the it's the biggest hypocrisy with all these rules because even a couple of weeks ago they they changed the rules for the nightclubs. So this was uh, about a month ago. They said okay, nightclubs close at twelve o'clock, and all the nightclubs moved forward their opening time to two o'clock in the in the afternoon. So it, it it's not changing anything. It's just moving. It's, so, it's so, the one thing is that at least you have less chance to ruin Christmas by arriving home at twelve o'clock and and calling everyone a bollocks. <laughs> so so are they are are they keeping uh, so the pubs are going to stay open? It's just they're going to close at eight. That's the plan right now. Yeah, yeah, that's the plan. <laughs> so, so so everyone's going to go to the pub at the same time rather than it being staggered across a night. You exactly. didn't, you didn't hear that uh, one of the mutations in Omicron is that it goes to sleep all day until 8 p.m. And then it, it, it arises and decides to infect people after 8 p.m. Yeah, exactly. So that it's smart. It's just smart decision-making. So, I mean, it changes the whole thing. Anywho, um, I will go and get myself ready for the pub. James <laughs> Allen, um, thank you for everything before Christmas, hopefully over the next couple of weeks. Jesus, I hope it gets better. Um, and... We have a three-week break now, so hopefully that will alleviate the injuries. And we will have to we'll have to talk about something else. What are we going to talk about when there's not injuries? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Well, I, they're they're still playing the game Sunday, which is miraculously uh, incoherent relative to everything that's going on. Um, so yeah, we can talk about that, and then uh, hopefully some signings. I mean that that's the. That's the big thing. Hopefully, we get some good signings in early, and then um, you know, look forward. That's that's the big thing. I'm 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 expecting to talk about 
Mikey Johnson's first two goals on his way to 30 for the season. And uh, I'm, I'm convinced now that you're right about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we shall see. We shall see. I, I'm not holding my breath on that. Um, James Allen, happy Christmas. Hope it's a good one. Yeah, Merry Christmas, and guys. Merry Christmas. Hope. Merry Christmas, everyone watching and listening. Stay safe. Yeah. Yeah. To everybody who's watched over the, the course of the 2021, uh, thanks very much to everyone who's listened to the podcast as well. I hope you all have a good Christmas. I hope you, you all stay safe. And listen, it's it's a shit one, but we all just have to put up with it. So just stay stay safe over Christmas and uh, enjoy it as much as you can. And we'll catch up with you in the new year as well. We'll chat to you later. Good luck.